This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this episode, Tom and Jonathan talk about Jonathan's current favorite GDPR enforcement action involving food service delivery companies in Italy. In this episode, Jonathan Armstrong and myself take a look at some recent developments in whistleblowing in the EU and in the United Kingdom. I think everyone is aware of the EU Whistleblower Directive, which will come into force on December 17, 2021. And we take a deep dive into some of the issues that this new directive has raised and what it will mean for the member countries as well, as well as for the compliance professional. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Well, I've been looking at some developments in whistleblowing. I think whistleblowing is one of the most Dealing with whistleblowers is one of the most challenging bits of the job for compliance officers. And if it's any comfort, it's also a real challenge for external counsel too. Whenever we get involved in looking at whistleblower issues, it's always quite complex. You've obviously got to take the whistleblower's complaints seriously and you've got to try and look at them dispassionately. Uh, That whistleblower, of course, may be identified or may be anonymous or pseudonymous. And it's often a difficult balance, really, between, uh, you know, what weight do you give to the whistleblower's complaints? Um, And this is something that the uh, European Court of Human Rights has been looking at recently with a case from Luxembourg. And the case uh, concerns the LuxLeaks. For those of you who don't remember them, they were a set of leaks in 2014, which were about the, uh, let's just say, alleged practices of a big four accounting firm. And there were a number of whistleblowers who were employees of that accounting firm. And they said that the accounting firm had been uh, involved in various practices which didn't stand up to scrutiny. Now, Hallett was the second whistleblower, and I think that's quite important, to come out of this accounting firm. And he took some internal documents from the firm and he gave them to a journalist. As a result of doing that, the accounting firm sacked him. But more than that, he was prosecuted by the Luxembourg authorities in 2016 for a breach of uh, professional secrecy obligations that apply in Luxembourg. The Luxembourg uh, court said that the seriousness of the offence he had committed was greater than the public interest in protecting whistleblowers. He was sentenced to nine months in jail. That was a suspended sentence. He was fined a thousand euros 
and he had to pay damages to his employer, the accounting firm, although they, those damages were set only at one euro. Uh, he uh, appealed to the ECHR, and his um, uh, appeal has just failed. The court decided that it was a good faith report, uh, but that there was harm to the accounting firm involved. And uh, the ECHR looked at the uh, increasing turnover and increase in headcount of the accounting firm, but they basically said that they weren't going to interfere with the Luxembourg court's findings. It, it's somewhat confusing because the uh, ECHR is a, is a European court, and this matter was referred to them from the Luxembourg court because it was a matter of uh, European human rights law. Um, the Luxembourg court effectively uh, said that there was no uh, uh, the ECHR said that there was effectively no new information on which they could interfere. We'll be right back with more from Jonathan Armstrong after a message from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, my colleague Andre Bywater wrote on this case, and it's interesting that one of the court officials uh, connected with us on social media after this report uh, to point out that uh, there was now an appeal that had been lodged, and we're obviously grateful for the court official, uh, you know, letting letting us know that. Uh, and the case will now go to the grand chamber of the ECHR, who might reach a different decision. But I think it's a somewhat troubling case for whistleblowers. Of course, it comes uh, at the time when the SEC have uh, just announced on uh, September 29th that two whistleblowers had been banned from the SEC system. These are individuals who seem to have made um, gratuitous nuisance-related uh, referrals to the SEC. They'd been told to stop but hadn't. But it seems to me that it just increases some of the complexities around whistleblowing, and it's hard not to have sympathy with the whistleblower in this case, who I think seems to have perhaps genuinely thought that he was exposing wrongdoing at a large uh, accounting firm. So, Jonathan, that this whole discussion brings up several points that I wanted to raise with you. 
the first one is is on the basic uh, <clears throat> Luxembourg decision is a cost benefit analysis appropriate when you have a good faith whistleblower complaint, i.e., more harm to the uh, company who have been whistleblowed upon than uh, the potential good. It seems somewhat strange, doesn't it, to look at uh, whistleblowing in those terms. I think that it was a major factor in the court's reasoning that he was the second whistleblower. These concerns were already in the public domain. Uh, if he was the first whistleblower, maybe that equation would look different. But clearly the court were looking at the potential harm to the uh, accounting firm versus the public interest, and the public interest was less with a second complainant who, it seemed, didn't add that much to the uh, complaint from the first whistleblower. So it could have been different if this was a unique whistleblower or Hallett was the first, not the second. But it does seem as if there is this balancing act. Now, of course, that's a really difficult balancing act for a corporation to imply internally. And my worry would be that some within corporations, if this case got more publicity, would think, ah, we can dismiss a whistleblower's um, allegations because it might do us harm. And there's not a lot of public interest in what we're doing behind closed doors. I think it would be unfortunate if the court's ruling buried legitimate complaints because a corporation somehow thought there was some internal test it could do to look at harm to itself. Not to sound completely facetious, but every whistleblower potentially brings harm to a corporation. If I could uh, speak a little bit about one of the most recent FCPA enforcement actions involving WPP, uh, there were seven whistleblower complaints around their India operation. And uh, uh, why didn't WPP just employ this cost-benefit analysis? It's like, well, if we take this seriously, we might have to pay a fine. So yeah. our cost is higher than the, uh, the public benefit. I mean, that's about, I have to say, the most inane analysis for a whistleblower complaint uh, that you could ever come up with. And to have a judicial stamp of approval on this seems to me to be going down a a very difficult path uh, for all of us. I think that's right. And I think these are cases that the appeal, uh, th this, these are considerations that the appeal court will certainly look at. I think it's important to say that it's, Europe is not anti-whistleblower in any way. We don't pay bounties as much as you do in the U.S., to whistleblowers. There is a limited bounty program in the UK, but that's by no means widespread uh, across Europe. And it's important to remember that there are new EU whistleblowing rules that are going through the member states at the moment. The deadline is 17th December for uh, EU member states to implement new whistleblowing laws. Some of them already have draft laws on the table, which offer more protection to whistleblowers. Uh, the UK has always been different from the rest of Europe with laws to uh, protect uh, whistleblowers. Um, 
the protections that the EU directive introduces are already largely part of UK law and the specific code as well. And as I say, in some cases, relatively small bounties up to 100,000 sterling can be paid in the UK. So I don't think it's open season on whistleblowers. And I think in some respects, this uh, case has been unhelpful, but it's some, in some respects, it's, it's against the tide that is supporting whistleblowers in making legitimate concerns public. The, uh, and it also brings up another area I wanted to explore with you a little bit, which is the broader question of European Court of Justice justice vis-a-vis justice as perceived by the member states. And, and I understand that was one of the reasons that led to you, your uh, departure from the EU. But if the European Court of Justice says that um, uh, Luxembourg's, if not preference for money laundering, their preference for abject privacy is not a value that we as the European Court of Justice hold, uh, isn't that really directly antithetical to uh, a core value of its member state, uh, Luxembourg? Yeah, this is why uh, the European judicial system gets hideously complicated. But um, there's a difference between the European Court of Human Rights, the uh, ECHR, and the ECJ, the European Court of Justice, a.k.a. CJEU. They're sort of, they're, they're two separate courts, if you like. One's looking at the Human Rights Convention and one's looking at the uh, EU makeup. I'm, I'm sort of oversimplifying. I'm sort of oversimplifying because it's hideously complicated and I don't know the full, uh, <laughs> the full weeds of it. So it's, it's two separate systems. The ECHR is looking at uh, human rights, and uh, we've had some very interesting human rights decisions from that court over the uh, years, including cases that have supported whistleblowing. There's a case involving the uh, UK police, for example, and a senior police officer who had concerns about the way in which uh, her police service was, was run. So I don't think we could necessarily say that either the ECJ or the ECHR were anti-whistleblower. And I don't think we could necessarily say that either of those courts were pro-Luxembourg. Uh, the caveat being, of course, that the judges are based in Luxembourg. Um, but, um, but I think it is difficult to fit this judgment from the ECHR alongside other judgments that have looked uh, at uh, human rights particularly and particularly freedom of expression and the need to allow people to raise concerns about things that are happening in the uh, you know in the wider compliance space. So I wonder, and this is a, a, a ponder, not a fact, if that's why the uh, court official was very quick to respond to our social media cases and say, 
let's not go overboard. The case is already subject to appeal. Watch this space. Well, I think uh, that's a great way to end your segment, Jonathan, because I think we'll certainly be watching this space. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. If you'd like more information on Jonathan Armstrong or quarterly compliance, you can check out the links in the show notes. Also, I hope you will check out the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Design Thinking in Compliance, where with my co-host, Karsten Tams, we take a look at this incredibly useful and valuable social engineering tool to make your compliance program more efficient and also more effective. Design Thinking on Compliance appears each Wednesday at 8 a.m. on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hope you will join Jonathan and I again next time for another look at compliance, GDPR, data privacy, and data protection on Life with GDPR. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.